Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from the parents of my wife, Annalisa, and it was at night. They were calling because Annalisa's uncle was in Enloe Hospital's ICU, and they wanted to know if I would come and pray with the family. And of course I did. Not only did I, but so many of you through our prayer chain have been praying for him as well, Uncle Craig, and I want to thank you for that. Before we go any farther, Craig is out of the ICU. He still has a long way to go before he's in good health. But thank you for your prayers. But my point today is this. Um, after the family had joined hands and we prayed in that hospital waiting room, my mother-in-law turned to me and said with sarcasm dripping in her voice, so this is the fun part of your job, right? And of course the answer is no, it's not the fun part of my job. Right? We instinctually try to avoid people who are going through grief and sorrow as if on some level we know it's contagious. Good vibes only. Love and light. We try to keep clear and clean of the mess of the blood, sweat, and tears that come with grief and sorrow. We try to surround ourselves with people who are powerful. Powerful people like Carl Johnson, a member of our congregation here, a, a man who was a, a giant, both literally and figuratively, who dominated his industry of rice genetics, who was never afraid to speak his mind, including here in worship services. We surround ourselves with successful people, people like Carl Skounberg, who by his own description was a hard-headed Dane, a man who went after what he wanted in life and who got it, and that was whether it was his own automotive business or whether it was driving his truck well into his 90s. Or we surround ourselves with people who have standards. People like Cindy Stewart, a woman who has resulted in a whole generation of nurses here in Chico being the absolute best healers they could be because Cindy demanded the best of them as their supervisor and trainer, and she brought out that best in every single one she interacted with. These are the people that we want in our life in hopes that what they have will rub off on us, and I am here to tell you that this past year, I got to spend a considerable amount of time with each one of these incredible people. I got to spend a considerable amount of time with them in the lead-up to their deaths. And not just these three. There's been a lot of the not-fun part of my job this past year. I have seen a man like Carl, who had so much power, become weak. I have seen the hard-headed Dane of Carl Skownberg lose interest in anything in this world. I have seen the exacting Cindy Stewart not even be able to ask for a, a glass of water. And then I have seen their families become poor in spirit as they mourned the death of these people that they loved. And if these saints of our congregation we're not able to avoid the mess 
the blood, sweat, and tears of grief and sorrow, either for themselves or their families, what hope do the rest of us have? Well, Jesus preaches a sermon today. It's a sermon called the Beatitudes. Beatitudes simply means those who are blessed. Because in this sermon, Jesus tells us who is blessed. But the Gospel writers tell us Jesus preaches two different versions of this sermon. Jesus preaches one that's recorded in Luke's Gospel. And in that version of the Beatitudes, Jesus preaches it on a level place, on a plain, as the crowds are all surrounding him and his disciples. And when he speaks about the blessings, he speaks them directly to people. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. But Matthew gives us a second version of that sermon. And this time when Jesus preaches the Beatitudes, he goes up a mountain, up away from the crowds, and his disciples have to follow him up there. And then when Jesus preaches this sermon on the mount, he speaks the blessings about other people. Blessed are those. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. They're the exact opposite of the people that we think are blessed. And it's as if Jesus is trying to convince his disciples to go and find out what it means to be blessed by visiting the very people that they're trying to avoid. And so if we're skeptical about the Beatitudes, it makes sense, right? We hear, blessed are those who mourn. Give me a break. But on some level, maybe we know it's true because a lot of people pay good money to watch sad movies. I am willing to bet each and every one of you has paid 20 bucks and given two hours of your life to go watch a movie you know would make you cry and you may not have said to yourself, oh, this is going to be fun. But afterwards, maybe you felt blessed. Sitting with the dying, praying with the grieving, it's not the fun part of my job. But it is an aspect of my calling as a Christian through which I am deeply blessed. When I was sitting with Carl, Carl Johnson, in the weeks before he died, as his strength faded, but not his desire to tell stories. The story he wanted me to know the most was not how, through force of mind and will, he dominated the rice industry. No, the story he wanted me to know the most was how, when his girls were little, he took care of them so that his wife could get her doctorate. How this man, who was so strong and so powerful, gladly became meek, or in his own words, became Mr. Mom. So that when his wife walked across that stage to get her diploma, their little girls could shout, Go, Mom! His wife and those girls, they were his world. In his meekness, he inherited the earth through them and was blessed for it. When Carl Scalmberg became 
unresponsive. His family and I, we, we gathered around his bed, and they told stories about him. And yes, they told stories about how he loved his truck and his lawnmower, but they also told a story about how much he loved family potlucks. And Carl Skalmberg had a huge family. Dozens and dozens of people would come to these potlucks, but before any of them could eat, Carl would insist on saying a blessing, a prayer over the food, and he would take his time with it. <laughs> People's stomachs are rumbling, but Carl, he had to list every single thing that God had given them that he was giving thanks for. Oh yeah, everyone else in the family, they were hungry for food, but Carl, he hungered and thirsted for righteousness. And after we laughed about this story, we joined hands around his bed and we closed our eyes and we prayed a prayer of thanksgiving that God had given us Carl. And when we opened our eyes, he had died. He had gone so peacefully that we hadn't even heard him. This man who hungered and thirsted for righteousness he was satisfied and blessed for it. And when Cindy Stewart's daughters, when they talked about her, the stories they wanted to tell more than any other were about how she cared for her brother. You see, her brother spent decades of his life with various health problems, biggest among them AIDS. And in a time in history when the majority of the world was concerned with nothing more than keeping clear and keeping clean of people who were potentially contagious, Cindy's only concern was to care for the brother that she loved, to show him mercy. And so she was blessed. The week before she died was Christmas. And she was blessed because her daughter's they didn't spend Christmas at a fancy dinner. No, they spent Christmas Eve beside her bed in the midst of IV drips and catheters and breathing tubes. They weren't worried about the mess, about keeping clean and clear from contagions. They cared only about showing mercy to the mother that they loved. And she was blessed for it. Jesus tells us that we will know what it means to be blessed through those who are poor in spirit, through those who mourn. And what I have learned is this, that to be blessed, it's not to keep clear and clean of life's mess not to keep clear and clean of grief and sorrows, blood, sweat, and tears. No. To be blessed is to have love worth the mess. To be blessed is to have love worth the blood, the sweat, and the tears. And I have learned that such love is contagious because the more time I spend with 
the poor in spirit and those who mourn, the more I have that love in my own life, the more I realize that it is more precious than anything else in this world, the more I am blessed. And my bet is you too have discovered this. I'm willing to bet that you have been infected by this contagious love, that if you have brought a picture today or a name or a memory of someone, you have brought that here because through that person you have known a love worth the mess, a love worth the blood, the sweat, and the tears, and you are blessed for it. And there is a prognosis for those of us who've been infected by such a contagious love. The prognosis comes from Revelation chapter 7. St. John says he, he sees a multitude of people beyond what anyone can count, a multitude of every nation, every tribe, every language. And these people from every place in the world, from every time in history, they are all united by one thing. There is one thing they share in common for all their differences, and it is this that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is Jesus. For just as the Passover Lamb's blood was shed so that the Hebrew people who were marked by it might escape death in Egypt, so too those who are marked by Jesus' blood are saved from death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweats blood as he prepares to be crucified. In Lazarus' tomb, he weeps tears for the dying. And on the cross, his side is pierced by a spear, and out of it pours both blood and water. If being blessed is having love worth the mess, Jesus is the most blessed. If being blessed is to be poor in spirit, blessed is Jesus, for on the cross he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If being blessed is mourning, blessed is Jesus, for as he looks out over the city of Jerusalem, he weeps at the city that does not have peace. If being blessed is being meek, Blessed is Jesus who refused to be a warrior. If being blessed is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, blessed is Jesus who could multiply loaves and fishes and yet hungered for something greater still. If being blessed is showing mercy, blessed is Jesus who was merciful to his executioners. If being blessed with being pure in heart, blessed is Jesus, who could not be tempted by the devil himself. If being blessed is being a peacemaker, blessed is Jesus, who has reconciled heaven and earth. And if being blessed is being persecuted for righteousness' sake, blessed is Jesus, who is condemned by a travesty of justice. If being blessed is having love worth the blood, sweat, and tears, there is no one more blessed than Jesus. 
And if that love is infectious, if it is contagious, then Jesus is patient zero. Jesus is patient zero of God's contagious love. And the prognosis we see in Christ is the prognosis that awaits each and every one of us because though Jesus is happy to bleed and die for love from that blood and from that death, Christ's blessing transforms our mortal blood into God's eternal love. A love which conquers death, which raises Jesus to new and eternal life, and that faith waits each and every person who is infected with that contagious love of God. That multitude of saints that St. John sees in the book of Revelation, it says that they have come out of the great ordeal that is life, but not by keeping clean and clear of the blood, sweat, and tears of life, grief, and sorrow. No, by embracing it, by washing it, by joining their blood, sweat, and tears with that of Christ's and trusting that through it they will discover not only eternal life, but eternal joy. The people that we remember today, we call them saints, not because they were perfect, not because they were clean of messes. No, we call them saints because through them we knew a love that was worth the mess, worth the blood, sweat, and tears, and we were blessed for it. And the promise we have in Christ is that Christ's blessing can turn the mess of our mortal blood into pure, eternal love. The people that we place on this altar, whose names we write, whose memories we lift up, they have come out of the great ordeal. They are alive in Christ. The Lamb of God is their shepherd, and he leads them to the springs of the water of life, and God wipes away every tear from their eyes. There is no way around life's grief and sorrow. There is only a way through it. We are born into this life, with all its grief and sorrow through the blood, sweat, and tears of our mother. And so it is that we are born into the life to come that is free from such grief and sorrow through the blood, sweat, and tears of Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted my friends, you can have this blessing now. Do not keep clear and clean from the grief and sorrow, from the blood, sweat, and tears of those who grieve, of those who mourn, of those who are poor in spirit. My friends, they have a love worth the mess and are blessed for it. And that blessing is infectious. Go visit them, call them, write to them, pray with them. This is not simply the job of a pastor. This is the calling of every single follower of Christ. And when you do, 
ask them. Ask them what it is they hold on to most of the person that they grieve. Ask them what it is they cherish most in their own life. And then ask those questions of yourself and share the answers. Because the mess we most try to keep clear from is the one in our own heart. Start with this today. When we begin to sing for all the saints, come forward. Come to the altar. Place a photograph if you have one. If you don't, take a pastel and write a name. If all you have is an ache in your heart, light a candle. Let this contagious mess of love infect you with God's blessing. And then come. Come to the baptismal waters, waters poured out from Jesus' side to become the waters of the spring of life. Let yourself be washed in them. We cannot escape the mess of life's grief and sorrow. But Christ transforms the mess of our mortal blood into pure eternal love. Amen.